Hey everyone, it's Aliyu. For this month, we wanted to feature this special episode between father and son who are both in the holy ministry. If you haven't heard this conversation between Brother Donald and Brother Daniel Pinock, I guarantee it'll leave you with a smile on your face and you'll pick up some worthwhile life lessons as well. It's a moving and candid conversation between a father and a son about being dads and devoting their lives to the church. You know what's really strange, son, was, uh, for example, when we were, uh, we visited you in France and we went to Marseille. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. were preaching in a, a, oh, a man, totally and that. also English. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the second <laughs> row and I'm going, what is this? I'm sitting here listening to my son <laughs> preaching Tagalog and also uh, with slices of English and French at the same time. And it was just like, wow. And I, But I did notice, I really noticed that it's like, for you, I wasn't there because you were really concentrating yeah, well, on the brethren and I could yeah. I could also feel the, the, the love that you had for them. So that just made me even prouder, I suppose. Now I'm telling you. Wow, like father, like yeah. son, Pop. It's a mercy yeah. of God. No matter where you are in the world, there is one thing we have all experienced together, change. This pandemic has forced us out of our comfort zones and has pushed us into a new norm. And we simply surrendered and figured out a way to thrive. I'm your host, Elio Pablo, and welcome to Making Changes, a new podcast from INC Media Audio. In this podcast, you'll hear honest conversations between two people who are on the same path to change, but are in different stages in their journeys. And we'll learn how they've navigated their way around their new normal, but always with God by their side. On today's episode, you'll meet a father and son who have both decided to devote their lives in the holy ministry. Brother Donald Pinock, assigned in Toronto, Canada, and also the host of the INC Media show, The Solution, will be talking with his son, Brother Daniel Pinock, currently assigned in Valdois, France, just outside of Paris. Today, we'll learn about this close-knit father and son relationship, and they'll take us back to their journey and how they answered God's call to devote their lives to the church. Brother Daniel, who calls his dad Pop, will seek advice from his father on parenting his two young sons while living a life in service to God and others. We'll be flies on the wall as they share life lessons they've learned along the way. Let's listen in. Hey, Pops, thanks for sitting down with us and uh, having this kind of conversation with me. How's everything there? Oh, good, son. And it's uh, great to be talking to you. Yeah, and you, to know, you know how much we miss you and the family. Yeah, I miss you and Mom, too. Please give my love to Mom and Chanel. Always. Uh, first off, Pop, try, try not to cry, okay? But uh... can't promise you anything. <laughs> Definitely can. Uh, right off the bat, Dad, just wanted to say uh, thanks. Uh, I've never really had a chance to, you know, say thank you for uh, the advice and guidance that you've given me throughout my life and throughout both my pre-ministry and ministerial life. So uh, you still continue to give that kind of advice. So I still want to express that kind of gratitude and uh, know that when it comes to everything you've uh, taught me up until this point and all the advice that you still give. Uh, I'm always uh, taking it to heart and trying my best to follow it. So uh, thanks for all of that, Pop. And uh, 
even if you didn't say thanks, son, it's uh, a labor and fruit of love. You know how much uh, your dad loves you yeah. and uh, your sister. So, you know, love motivates everything that we try to do. We tried our best as parents for you. Uh, so far, so good, Pop. I mean, uh, yep. God's blessing. So so you know, so far, so good. Uh, let's let's take it back a little bit, Pop, when it comes to uh, you joining the ministry. I figured that's where we could start because that's what we have in common right now, aside from family spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to your joining the ministry, Pop, and I know you've explained it to me before, but I guess my question right now is uh, when it comes to what you had to give up to join the ministry, because at the time, if I remember correctly, uh, you were already married, you had me, newborn, uh, you already had a job. So you were, you were established as far as, you know, living your life uh, as a member of the Church of Christ. You, you had a duty or duties in the church. You were performing them. So what was the, what was the reason or the, the catalyst for giving that up to join the ministry? Was there any specific uh, um, mindset that you had at the time? I think looking back, and in fact, I'm sure of it, is even though, yes, I had a, let's say, a rough upbringing. You know, I learned a lot. I experienced a lot. And all thanks be to God that little by little, he started to channel me towards the church and you know, eventually becoming a baptized member of the church in 1985. Mm. You know, inside the church, that is when I started to experience real progress when it came to my life. Okay. You know, I I started to be more successful. Yes, uh, by the time I was a member of the church, I was already in my career as a graphic artist. I mean, the, the most important void within me was filled when I became a member of the church. That was a lot. That was 99%, we can say, when I became a member of the church. That filled the void within me because before then, I just felt empty. When I became a member of the church, I became full. However, there was still a part of me that was seeking more. Okay, okay. Seeking more when it came to my life. And you, you may have heard the expression, the purpose of life is a life of purpose. Mm-hmm. Before I found what my real purpose was, yes, it was nine to five, Monday to Friday. You work, you save up, you plan to get a house, you have your family, you work hard. If you're lucky, you pay off the house, then you get your retirement and you enjoy the last decade of life. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't see myself doing it. I really couldn't see myself doing it. There was no compulsion. Okay. It was almost drudgery to drag myself out to, you know, again, a, a career that was pain. But at the same time, there was just something that was missing inside. Okay. And I was a CWS teacher, and our dear brother, Pastor Palacios, he was the resident minister there in Toronto. And I remember after a class, 
he said, just out of the blue, he says, who knows, you may join them. Actually, what happened was we finished the class and I was walking out of the chapel there in Toronto. And I started walking towards the uh, the bus stop. I was taking the bus at that time. And all of a sudden, I heard that inner voice saying, who knows, one day you're going to be a minister. Mm-hmm. And I started laughing to myself. <laughs> I really did. I was laughing to myself. I said, that's mm-hmm. ridiculous, me, a minister. But then, you know, as time went by, I, I really started to, you know, dwell on... The idea considering, yeah, of being in the ministry, which was uh, something that before then I would never ever think of. Okay, to the point that we went to the Philippines in 1990, uh, myself and your mom. We mm-hmm. spent some time mm-hmm. and we visited Brother Iran Manaro. Me and your mom, we spoke and we says, Okay. I'm going to ask permission if I could study in the ministry. And at the end of the visitation, he turned around and says, yes, you can. You can study in the ministry. So oh. that changed everything. Okay. That changed everything. That was 1990. And yes, I could see that it would be very difficult. But at the same time, there was something that was really driving me. Maybe like father, like son. Yeah, know? which is crazy. Like it's it's as if it's as if that that need for purpose that you had was like heredity. Yeah, yeah, heredity. It was just installed. Oh, praise yeah. God for that. And yeah. do you remember? Do you remember when I told you I was joining the ministry, Pop? Well, that, that night. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what was um, that was maybe a week or so after you graduated from university. Yeah, yeah. Remember, yeah. That was okay? it. That was and it. then you and I went out. We went to uh, oh. a Vietnamese fold. Yeah, yeah. Where we went for a fall and we sat down. It was probably a long time since we had like a father son discussion yeah. like we did there. Yeah. And it was there that because, you know, of course, your mom. Um, Gung ho, gung ho. She wanted you. I, I dedicated him when he was born to the ministry, you know. And I'm going, no, no, no. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work like that. So more or less in that conversation, if you remember, we talked about uh, when I say pros and cons. There's no real cons per se, but there are certain realities that have to be accepted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, when the administration goes. You go there, you go there. There's yeah. no complaint. Uh, when it comes to discipline, you know, we make a mistake, we fall short of expectations, and there's a, a discipline there. It has to be accepted. Yeah, so in right. many ways, it's like you're you're entering into uh, the military, but this is a holy military, so yeah. it's the holy ministry. And some of what I went through, I relate to you in that conversation, and I told you at the end, uh, more or less, son, whatever your decision is, I will accept it wholeheartedly. Yeah. But don't join the ministry because I'm in the ministry. Yeah, it yeah. can't be. It has to be because you feel that God is calling you. And you should also understand that it's a lifetime commitment. Yeah. You know, it's not just to try it now, you don't like it, okay, I'll take off because. You know, that's really doing a, a 180 or in ways you're turning away from God. So Yeah. And truth, you didn't just uh, sit down and talk. Do you remember you wrote me a letter about that? You don't, you don't remember that email, do you? 
I've, I've, I've sent you so many emails you for the years. That email, though, that was the first email. Did, did we have email in those days? Yeah, we had email. How far back do you think this was, Pop? This was less than, what, 10 years? I've been a minister for not even, what? Since 2017, yeah, so three years. Four years yeah. going now, 2021. But uh, you wrote me an email uh, right in the same week that I was graduating. Really? And that's where you listed out the, uh, like what you mentioned, what life is like. Do you still have it? Yeah, I have it. I'm looking at it right now. I printed it out. Really? Yeah, I saved it, Pop. I have it right send, me, send me a copy. I'll Andrew. send you a copy. I'll send you a copy afterwards. All but right. uh, uh, I'll read you one part just to see if it jogs your memory. But the, the, the first part right there, it says, uh, I've been wanting to write to you for some time, but as usual, so busy. Anyway, I'm taking a little while here to mention a few matters. You're reaching that stage of life when you have to make serious decisions concerning your future. You're about to step out of being a student, per se, and into manhood. The path that you take in life will be based on your decision, even though overall God will have known already. And then that's where you go and talk about, you know, uh, life in the ministry, which you've experienced, and then life outside of the ministry and what you've uh, experienced. But yeah, that, that letter was before our sit-down there uh, at the Vietnamese restaurant. Yeah, okay. It was, it was, a, nice, uh, it was a nice prep for, for entering the ministry. And you had job offers, well, job offers, remember? Yeah, that was, but that was like God's way of testing if I really wanted to go to the ministry because that was right around the time when it was time to enter the ministry. Oh, here's right. one for you, Pop, because we're talking about going into the ministry. So I decided to join... Uh, I was I was chasing that, uh, that purpose in life as well. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to uh, help when it comes to the brethren. That was a big one for me because that was a big point that you always instilled in me and Chanel was to always love the brethren and take care of them. And I figured, you know, with all the love the brethren have shown us, what better way can I help them than, you know, help them in their services to God? So why not be a minister? So going into the ministry now, with all the reasons that were already laid out, uh, I'm trying to get my mindset around how different it must have been me studying there versus your time, because mm. like what what was the what were some of the biggest um, aspects of studying in the Philippines you had to deal with, Pop? Aside from the obvious, you know, language, difference in culture and food. Uh, what what would you say, if you can remember, were like the biggest challenges or the biggest adjustments that you had to make as far as studying, actually studying now in the ministry? The, the biggest um, challenge for me when it came to my studies was being alone. Okay. Being the only black man in a school of hundreds and hundreds of ministerial students. That was, yeah. yeah. The only black at that time yeah. got to know Brother Greg, who yeah. uh, best friend. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's uh... best friend in the ministry, and I. Yeah, I miss, really I miss, miss Brother Greg. Miss that guy. Yeah, I miss Brother Greg Pop. He was, uh... and, and he helped a lot in those years because yeah, I was say, we used to spend a lot of time together after class and everything. Yeah. But the what compelled me was especially when before I entered the ministry was, you know, here's this glorious church. 
doctrines watertight, solid. There's just absolutely no uh, loophole or leak when it came to the, the teachings. Yeah. And it's like, wow, people have to know about this church. Mm. And especially if people of my kind, mm. or meaning to say uh, non-Pilipinos, mm. fellow Blacks, they, they need to know. And, you know, my purpose was just developing and it was, you know, getting into fourth, fifth gear is going turbo by that time. So even when I went there, and in fact, if I can just retell this, I don't know if, in fact, I'm sure I told you, but when you were one years old, uh, your mom was still a choir member, but I had yeah. stepped back from the choir because yeah, yeah. I had to, you know, spend more time when it comes to preparing my studies. So I was an overseer. And one worship service in Toronto, I had to babysit you. And near the end of the worship service, we were in the nursery. All of a sudden, you started to have convulsions mm -hmm. to the point where your eyes were rolling to the back of your head, your lips turned blue, mm -hmm. and you were listless. And it was right at the end of the worship service. So I, I just kind of ran out yeah. of the nursery. And I, I'm just virtually shouting for somebody to help. Uh, fortunately, there are a couple of sisters who were nurses. They came. Uh, they tried to, to help out, but still, you seemed very listless. In fact, I was afraid you're going to die. Mm -hmm. And we went into the office. Brother Raniel Sereno, the minister, called me in. And he prayed for you. And immediately, you started to return to normal. But I will never forget that there was that proverbial voice inside that said, the life of your son is in my hands. You do what I tell you to do. And the reason why that happened was because a couple months before, I was starting to have doubts. Mm -hmm. I was starting to hesitate because I was going to leave all my friends. I was going to leave a, a well-paying job. We were just on the point of buying our first house. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, are you crazy? You're going to leave all this behind? And let's face it, life there in the Philippines at that time, especially for a foreigner, was going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, for sure. But then because of what happened in that worship service, that removed every single iota of doubt that I had in me. That's why when I was there, even though I was the only black, still I was so focused. I knew God wanted me to be there, and that was... That was everything. I knew he wanted me to be there to study in the ministry. And that's why, you know, glory be to God, I was able to stick it out. And now, looking back and seeing so many ministerial students of, you know, different cultural backgrounds, yeah, there's a, there's a great joy in my heart. And especially when it comes to seeing my son as a, as a minister, I mean, can't be happier. Can't be happier. Drive. But how about like now, 30 years later, what's been the drive to keep you performing that duty? Because I'm, I'm just starting and I'm, I haven't even hit five years yet. So I'm trying to picture in my head, Pop, what five times four, four more years, or sorry, four more times, just mm -hmm. five years. What, what's the drive that's kept you performing that duty the way that you're expected to as a minister? 
love, love of God. And because I have all of these years in the ministry, I can look back and I, you know, I can see the condition and also the position of the church in the 1990s. Okay. And here I am in 2020, and it's like, you know, I mentioned earlier, when it comes to seeing all of these uh, non-Pilipino ministers coming from virtually every cultural background in the world, yeah, yeah. see the houses of worship, all these congregations, you know, here in Toronto before, when you were growing up, yeah, uh, it was normal for ministers here to have eight worship services a week, to conduct eight, so six to eight worship services a week, because we were short, few, few in number. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah few in number, but uh, definitely love, love of God, love of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we're seeing all of these prophecies being fulfilled, and of course love of the brethren mm. you know you you really get to to care but uh if i'm gonna point to one delightful aspect of my ministry no matter what it has to be preaching i i love to preach it's crazy that you say that because for me so far in my ministry uh you know preaching the words of God the way the church administration taught us to preach. That's like, that's the, how do you explain it? That that brings the most like fire and yes. the most drive to just my idea of the ministry yeah. is, is being able to preach. And that that's where it feels the most, uh, it's, it's so flowing. It feels like, you know, because I guess it helps that what we're preaching is the truth and we see it happening and you can see it being fulfilled in, you know, our lives and the lives of the brethren mm-hmm. that I, I guess that's what adds to um, that love for preaching the words of God and sharing them with people. Yeah. I, uh, I just always look forward until today yeah. because uh, you know, it was taught by the ministers in the past that you should always consider every worship service assignment as not only your last, which is very important because it could be your last, but also an opportunity for you to deliver a perfect message. When we say perfect message, it is not just words per se, but words that will impact the listeners coupled with the gift of the holy spirit yeah so that can't be done unless uh you know your way of life when it comes to your prayer or prayers your devotional prayer and also when it comes to studying the lesson but yeah i just love to preach and i I just want to help the brethren to just stay firm bring them closer to god and deliver them to him you know, we're, we're just we're just mouthpieces. You know what's really strange, son, was uh, for example when we were uh, we visited you in France and we went to Marseille, uh, yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. were preaching in a, 
Oh, man, and man. also English, <laughs> and I'm sitting in the second oh, row, and I'm going, "What is this?" I'm sitting here listening to my son preaching Tagalog, and also uh, with slices of English and French at the same time, and it was just like, "Wow!" And I, but I did notice, I really noticed that it's like for you, I wasn't there. Because you were really concentrating yeah, well, on the brethren, and I could, yeah. I could also feel the, the the love that you had to them. So that just made me even prouder, I suppose. Now I'm telling you, well, like father, like yeah. son, pop, and so mercy yeah. of God. You were in Canada. You had to come back because of your your paperwork. So I believe the visa that you had in France was only good for uh, a year or so. No, so it was the three months. It was the three, oh, three months. months. Yeah. yeah. So you had to leave the country and you came back to Canada. And of course, they gave you a worship service assignment. And then we were graced with uh, sharing a worship service. Yeah. It was in the locale of Markham. Okay. And I remember we were both sitting there as father and son. And then I, I gave you the, the nod for you to stand and uh, start to preach. And while you were preaching, it really felt as if I was looking in the mirror. It's like I was looking back in time at myself, and you even sounded like me. Uh, first of all, as far as the preaching, when I was even in my studies and I was you know, preaching out loud, practicing, there were times where I stopped myself and I out loud was like, man, I'm starting to sound like pop. Like I, I can hear that. I know this exactly how he says it. And I, pop, I guarantee you, pop, I can do the same exact intonations that you do on certain questions or certain verses like for tone tone for tone i could match you that's mm. how and it, for me it was god's way of showing like you know you're you're donald pinnock's son so for me it was a point of pride but that that first uh, worship service assignment pop for me was that was a big time blessing yeah those are memories that uh, god gifted us with that uh, i'll cherish Cherish still my uh, my last days. What what advice would you give me about uh, raising these two uh, these two uh, munchkins who are super crazy? Right now? <laughs> uh, well, you know those join you know them. those early years of the of the uh, child's development. They're it's like placing them in a car without giving them instructions. For sure, they're going to crash. They're going to make, uh, have accidents, make mistakes. So, you know, uh, Christian discipline, it's really important. Um, and you also have to cr create it where you're able to have that warm relationship with your children. Okay. You know, the open lines of communication, talking to them as if it's an older brother to a, a younger brother sort of thing. That's why... You know, I just love, I really enjoy what we have because we can just talk, we can laugh, we can joke. And I've always told everyone this, you're a minister before you're my pop. Uh, but you've always done that balance of, you know, um, raising me and Chanel to recognize that you're a minister. You are going to discipline and raise us and correct us based on the teachings of God. But that love of being our father always was and always will be there. We always felt it. So that's, I'm hoping I can give that kind of balance as well. I am sure you will, son. 
Um, do I have regrets? I have to confess, yes. And the regrets are when it comes to not being able to spend more time with you and your sister, Chanel. It always worked out, Pop, because that's when, believe it or not, me or Chanel, we were always, you know, the most proud of you and we knew where you were and we never, uh, even when we talked about it, if Chanel even remembers from back in the day, we would talk about uh, you being gone either for, you know, being in the locale or out of the locale, like you mentioned. And it was never with any regret on our yeah. end. We never looked well, at it as a negative thing. As a father, was... I suppose, that's where the regret is. So my advice to yeah. you as much as possible, even though there are circumstances that you will not be able to control, but as much as possible, try to be there and spending real quality time talking, playing, laughing with your your kids, it's everything because, you know, time is that commodity that, you know, one second goes by, you can't get it back. I guess in, in closing, Pop, I mean, uh, thanks for joining me on the trip down memory lane. And uh, I I just want you to know that I'm, I'm always praying and I'm always thankful to God for uh, him blessing my life with uh, parents who um, not only love me and Chanel, but, you know, uh, raised us to, to recognize God. I mean, being born inside the church, that was a grace that no one really controls. So all praise all glory to God for that. And what God has done to give us parents that raised us to know God, to give importance to what God wants, to serve him enough that, you know, um, the son enters the ministry and my sister is an active member and officer. Um, so I, I'm always thankful to God for that. And uh, my prayer for you and mom, especially in these uh, golden years of your guys' life together, is just the best of health and that you keep being um, a minister that, you know, God can keep using to help the brethren. As for me, son, I'm really, really happy and fortunate. I pray for you and your family every single night on bended knee. Uh, that God will keep all of you safe, that he'll bless you in your ministry. Yeah, we miss you all. We love you all. And again, I, I, I I'm proud you, of you, son. I'm very, very proud. God's good, Pop. Thanks so much. Hello, Brother Daniel and Brother Donald. It's so nice to listen in and just simply be uh, a, a witness spot to the love that you both have for each other. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. What was so beautiful about listening in to your conversation is not only do we feel the love between the both of you, but the friendship. You know, we can really feel you're not just father and son, but you really, you really are our, 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 our best friends and best buddies. Now, Brother Daniel, I know that you've kept the emails and you've, you have kept all the advices that your, your dad has given you through the years, but would you be able to point out the one thing that you, you always hear one piece of advice that is constantly in your head as you go on as a father, as kind of like your, your moral compass, um, as you go on in your ministry? Uh, the one, uh, I guess, voice that I could always hear uh, Brother Donald, my dad, my pop saying is to trust God. And, and it 
it's shown so much in everything that he's done and has happened in his life. Like from the beginning, we're talking just becoming a member of the Church of Christ. Why? Because he trusted God enough to believe his words. So he joined the church. Uh, why did you join the ministry? Because he trusted God enough that when he saw certain signs, aspects of his life, uh, he answered the call. He joined the ministry. Uh, you know, he, he trusts God enough to, to love the brethren through the hard times and to see what God did in return because of that love and care for the brethren. Uh, he trusts God enough to always remind me to, you know, we submit to the church administration. That's why we follow the, the lead of the church administration, because that's what God wants us to do. And that extends uh, to my family and, and, and raising these kids now and having my own wife and, and my own ministry is, is that'll always be the reminder that, that uh, uh, I'll remember from my brother Donald, my pop, as far as uh, being a father now and, and being a minister is, is to just keep, keep trusting God, keep trusting his, his words that the church administration never gets tired in reminding us. And God will be the one to prove that that trust was well-founded and uh, he'll prove it uh, multiple times. I'm sure of it. And brother, brother Donald, um, you know, I, I myself, I am from a ministerial family. And, and, and like you mentioned, there is really something special about the the bond between you know ministerial families and just this call of duty um and you you talked about sharing a podium with your son and which you know i have to say uh, not a lot of ministers and their ministerial sons can can honestly say they've been able to do can you describe the joy of of having a son serve alongside you in the holy ministry what what is that feeling like and what is a life lived uh, like, you know, uh, with that kind of shared purpose? It's extremely surreal. You feel on another level of spirituality. It goes beyond uh, perchance, beyond luck. And you really understand that this is God's will. Just to be with Daniel, sharing a worship service was amazing. Uh, to sit down in the congregation when I was on family week and again listen to him preach was also, um, you know, so heartwarming. Uh, I can't really, I can't really ask for much more. Now, wasn't that just a heartwarming conversation? Thanks again, Brother Daniel and Brother Donald, for taking the time to share your stories and life lessons. And if you found value in what you just heard, please share it with your dad or your son and let them know you're thinking about them. Now, be sure to subscribe and stay up to date with new episodes of Making Changes. And we'd love it if you can leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening from. For more inspiring content, log on to incmedia.org or download the INC Media app. Thanks for listening and may your change uplift you.